0: Fiscal Update is a compilation of brief news articles published by the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency throughout each month. The articles cover actions taken at meetings of state boards and commissions, news releases from state agencies, updates on the status of the state budget, reports on audits of state and local government, and other items of interest to legislators and their constituents. If you would like to receive email notifications when individual fiscal update articles are published, please go to www.legis.org iowa.gov slash subscribe or you can follow us on twitter at iowa lsa to view all charts and graphs coinciding with these reports please go to the iowa general assembly website at www.legis.iowa.gov click on the publications tab at the top and then click on fiscal analysis in the gray area to the left under fiscal publications click on fiscal update and search for a particular report Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 4, 2016, UNI Peer Mentor Program receives AASCU Award. The American Association of State Colleges and Universities, or AASCU, has announced that the University of Northern Iowa, or UNI, will receive an Excellence and Innovation Award for its Course-Embedded Mentor Program for First-Year Students. The awarded program was highlighted in a fiscal update article in September of this year. The AASCU said the program creates a supportive environment inside and outside the classroom by connecting incoming freshmen with faculty, other students, staff, and support services. The announcement described the program that, quote, involves selecting rising sophomores to return as mentors within courses they completed during the previous year and pairing them with faculty members to create vibrant supports supportive classroom communities designed for first-year students. Since the program's inception in fall 2011, the retention rate of students enrolled in one of these courses has been 6 to 8 percent higher as compared to those students who did not enroll in a first-year-only section." End quote. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Robin Madison, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-5270. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 4, 2016. Tobacco Use Prevention and Control Commission September Meeting. The Tobacco Use Prevention and Control Commission of the Iowa Department of Public Health or IDPH met September 30th, 2016, in Des Moines. The Commission modified and improved the final strategic plan for the next three years. Budget and Programs For fiscal year 2016, the Commission reverted about $246,000. Director Geraldine O'Shell of the Division of Tobacco Use Prevention and Control attributed the reversion of $200,000 related to Quitline Iowa to a decrease in calls due to new protocols requiring Medicaid. Recipients to call their Managed Care Organizations, or MCOs, hotlines for tobacco cessation services. Non-medical recipient calls to the quit line have been steady. The other revision of $46,000 was from unspent funds in the Community Partnership Program. The Commission directed staff to develop a proposal to handle reversions of county allocations more efficiently. Additionally, the IDPH is beginning quarterly reviews of program budgets for areas that are running over or under budget to evaluate how resources can be deployed more effectively. The reallocation of resources has become viable due to broader language in appropriation bill allocations. Some new ideas being explored by the IDPH include utilizing funding for cancer-related programs, to deliver smoking cessation services to clients in those programs. The department is also using its budgetary freedom to commission a division-wide evaluation of strengths and weaknesses as part of the University of Northern Iowa contract for other program evaluations. Commission members expressed interest in seeing the results of this report. Staff has also been meeting with Iowa Medicaid Enterprise and representatives of the state's three MCOs to develop a single unified prior authorization fax form for smoking cessation services. Some health care providers at the meeting shared stories of frustrations delivering services and smoking cessation products to clients. The Youth Executive Council announced that its total membership was up to 2,210, an increase over its total membership at this time last year. Three new chapters will be online soon. A density heat map is available on the commission's webpage that highlights member growth. Community partnerships in 14 more counties have expressed interest in forming chapters, so more youth participation is expected in the coming year for the program. Presentation. The American Lung Association gave a presentation on the high prevalence of smoking in the LGBTQ community and steps the American Lung Association is taking to decrease this usage. Data on health metrics related to the LGBTQ community is limited nationally, but some data shows that tobacco usage in this demographic is twice the national average and that members of the LGBTQ community are five times less likely to utilize a quitline service. The association has been to recent events such as the Governor's Conference on LGBTQ Youth and Des Moines Pride Fest and plans to gather local data to develop a vision and action plan. Other updates from members of the commission were given. Highlights include Attorney General's Office. Staff recently attended the Triennial Master Settlement Agreement Conference. Topics covered included a discussion led by Food and Drug Administration, Tobacco Products Director Mitch Zeller on perspectives on nicotine policy. Additionally, there was a panel on the prevalence of the depiction of smoking in video games. George Baletzos informed the commission about Story County's recent ban of e-cigarette and vaping products in all public places. The ban was passed after Ames and Iowa State University had taken similar steps. Alcoholic Beverages Division. Retail enforcement checks will begin in October. The next meeting of the Commission will be December second, two 2016. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Kent Ohms, Legislative Analyst 2 with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-725-2200. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October fourth, two 2016. Audit, College Student Aid Commission. Audit Report. On October 3rd, 2016, the Auditor of State released a report on the annual audit of the College Student Aid Commission for the year ended June 30th, 2015. The following findings and recommendations were addressed. Gear Up Program During fiscal year 2014 and fiscal year 2015, the first cohort of Gear Up students became eligible for post-secondary scholarship funding from the program. The commission matches cohort students with completed free application for federal student aid or FAFSA forms and then notifies the student and the post-secondary institution identified on the form that the student may be eligible for scholarship funds. The institution is responsible for verifying the student's eligibility and award amount before requesting gear-up funds from the commission. The auditors found that while the commission validates certain eligibility criteria, it has not established procedures to ensure that students have met the required enrollment levels for scholarship eligibility. As a result, institutions may be awarded gear-up funds for ineligible students. The auditors recommended that the commission establish such procedures. The commission responded that it will establish risk assessment policies and develop procedures to verify recipient enrollment levels and calculated award amounts reported by post-secondary institutions. The response was accepted by the auditors. Partnership Loan Program. The commission contracts with a third-party collection agency to collect on non-governmental delinquent student loans under the Private Partnership Loan Program, or PLP. The outstanding principal and interest on the PLP portfolio as of June 30, 2015 was $15.4 million, of which $13.7 million was considered uncollectible. The Commission receives weekly wire transfers from the collection agency for collections received as well as a monthly status report. During fiscal year 2015, the Commission received approximately $241,000 in collections prior to paying the collection agency's fees. The auditors found that the Commission has no procedures in place to track the reasonableness of collections or to reconcile monthly collection activity to the outstanding loan portfolio balance. The auditors recommended that such procedures be established. The commission responded that the loans in the portfolio were in default status when the commission purchased them 12 to 15 years ago. While some reconciliation is performed, the collection agency does not disclose how much interest was accrued monthly on each loan. The commission is currently working on a reconciliation process with the collection agency. The commission also noted that it solicited vendors to purchase the PLP portfolio within the last year but did not receive any offers. Based on the age and collectability of the portfolio, the Commission has voted to no longer accrue interest on it starting July 1, 2016. The auditors accepted the Commission's response. The full audit report can be found on the Auditor of State's website. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Robin Madison, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-5270. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 5, 2016 UST Program Loss Portfolio Transfer Small Loss Portfolio Transfer At the August 29, 2016 meeting of the Underground Storage Tank or UST Fund Board, the Board approved the Loss Portfolio Transfer or LPT of nine contaminated UST sites where the Petroleum Marketers Management Insurance Company or PMMIC and the board each have open claims or shared liability. The original LPT approval was revised and reapproved at the September 29, 2016 board meeting. The LPT involves the board transferring its claim liabilities to PMMIC in exchange for an agreed upon amount of money from the board. Shared liability. The state has incurred liability for the cleanup expenditures at contaminated underground petroleum storage tank sites through the authority provided in Iowa Code Chapter 455G. That chapter provides that a state fund will reimburse responsible parties for cleanup expenditures at qualified contaminated UST sites if specific conditions are met. For most of the eligible sites, the contamination must have been reported to the state before October 26, 1990. Even though the environmental cleanup has not been completed, many of the contaminated sites continue to operate, and if operating, federal law requires the sites to have environmental contamination liability insurance in place. The PMMIC insures many active sites in Iowa, and a number of those sites have reported new contamination events while PMMIC policies were in effect. Through terms of the insurance policies and due to new contamination, PMMIC incurs cleanup expense liability for sites that also have state liability in place for past environmental contamination. For these sites where both the state UST program and PMMIC have existing expense liability, PMMIC and the UST program administrator, AON Incorporated, have negotiated a percentage split for the ongoing cleanup expenses, the split is determined on a case-by-case basis. UST program site reserves and reserve balance. For all contaminated sites where the UST program has liability, the UST program administrator maintains a financial, quote, reserve meant to represent the best estimate of the UST program total state cost expected at that site. The reserve amount does not include any administrative expenses that are not specific to that site. A quote reserve balance calculation subtracts the amount expended on the site to date so the reserve balance refers to the expected state expenditure remaining for that site from the current point in time through the end of the state's liability for the site. On sites with joint liability, the reserve balance is calculated on the UST program's share of total remaining expected cleanup costs. Remaining reserves for the nine LPT sites. For the nine sites involved in this LPT, the remaining reserves total $527,000 at the time of the decision to approve the LPT with PMMIC. For each of the nine sites, the environmental cleanup company performing remediation at the site was asked to provide a best estimate of the remaining cleanup expense necessary to complete the work. For the nine sites, the cleanup company estimates increased the UST program share of future cleanup by $122,000 to $649,000. Financial implications of the small LPT. The UST board LPT approval As amended by the September meeting included two adjustments totaling 20% of each of the adjustments raised the amount ultimately transferred from the state to PMMIC. 15% risk premium, an adjustment meant to protect PMMIC against any unknown additional expenditures associated with the nine sites. 5% administration, a payment for additional administrative costs PMMIC incurs over and above the administrative expenses they would incur if the sites continued as joint liability sites. The percentages are applied to the cleanup company estimates for the total $649,000 and add an additional $130,000 to the amount paid from the UST Fund to PMMIC as compensation for the liability transfer. UST Board Small Portfolio Transfer, September 2016. UST Fund Reserve Balance, $527,364. Added by Groundwater Professional Estimates, $121,968. Risk Premium, $97,400. Administrative Charge, $32,467. Payment to PMMIC, $779,199. Transfer money above existing UST reserve balance, $251,835. Transfer percentage above existing UST reserve balance, 47.8%. UST Board Large LPT. The UST Board is in the process of creating a Request for Proposals, or RFP, with the intent to develop a larger LPT for additional sites. If completed, the large LPT would be used to transfer the state cleanup liability for approximately 280 of the remaining 390 open UST program claims. The UST administrator reports that the reserve balance for these 280 sites that are subject to a potential large LPT totals $17.4 million. If that large LPT is transferred to an outside entity with state financial implications similar to this small LPT, A 47.8% premium applied to the current reserve balance for the 280 sites would increase the state expenditure for those sites by $8.3 million over and above the $17.4 million the UST program currently carries as the state's financial liability for environmental cleanup at the 280 sites. Funds available to finance petroleum contamination including payments for any LPT transactions, come from the State UST Program Fund. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Jeff Robinson, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-4614. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 7, 2016. State Soil Conservation Committee. The State Soil Conservation Committee held a teleconference meeting on October 6, 2016 in Des Moines. The following was discussed. Field Services. Vince Sisman, Chief Field Services Bureau, stated that $2.1 million was available as a supplemental allocation from the Conservation Cost Share Program. The funds were distributed in September and 44 of the Soil and Water Conservation Districts applied for funding. Staffing changes were also discussed and included hiring project coordinators for the following. Big Creek Easter Lake Outreach Coordinator in Boone and Polk Counties, South Skunk Water Quality Initiative or WQI Project in Henry, Lee, Van Buren and Jefferson Counties, Headwaters of the North Raccoon River WQI Project in Buena Vista and Pocahontas Counties. Deep Creek WQI Project in Plymouth County and West Branch of the Floyd River WQI Project in Sioux County. Water Resources. Jake Hansen, Chief Water Resource Bureau discussed the Federal Conservation Reserve Program, or CRP. The number of acres that can be enrolled nationwide has been lowered from 26 million to 24 million as of October 1, 2016. The Federal Farm Service Agency estimated there were approximately 23 million acres enrolled in the program. So Iowa landowners still have an opportunity to participate. Mines and Minerals Susan Kozak, Chief Minerals Bureau, stated the Bureau was evaluating staff needs due to the recent resignation of a project coordinator. She also reported a field day will be held on October 19th at the Larkin Abandoned Mines site in Wapello County. Director Report. Jim Gillespie, director of the Soil Conservation Division, reported that there are 45 WQI demonstration projects. This includes 16 projects in targeted watersheds seven that are using innovative approaches in 22 urban projects. The Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship or DALS and the Federal Natural Resources Conservation Service recently signed a $9.5 million contract for a grant from the Federal Regional Conservation Partnership Program or RCPP. This grant was awarded for the Midwest Agriculture Water Quality Partnership that includes over 40 partners with an additional $38 million in non-federal funds. The partnership will create an innovative public-private collaboration to advance a science-based approach for reducing nutrient loss and for improving water quality, soil health, and habitats. State Forest Nursery. Paul Talkie, State Forester, reported that a price increase took effect on October 1, 2016 on bare-root stock sold at the State Forest Nursery. The last price increase at the nursery was in 2009. The Department of Natural Resources is preparing a report for the General Assembly about the operations at the State Forest Nursery that will be submitted by December 1, 2016. The next meeting will be held on November 3rd, 2016 in Des Moines. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Deb Kozell, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6767. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 7th, 2016. Executive Council Meeting. The Executive Council met on Monday, October 3rd, 2016. The Council approved the agenda items discussed. Insurance Rates. The Department of Administrative Services Human Resources Enterprise asked for the Council's approval of the planned insurance rates for the State Police Officers Council, or SPOC, for 2017. Wellmark was awarded the contract and the rates did not increase compared to 2016. Disaster Assistance Funding The Department of Human Services requested a resolution of funds for $1 million for the Individual Assistance Grant Program. The funds will be distributed to the following counties. $600,000 to Almaque, Benton, Blackhawk, Bramer, Buchanan, Butler, Cedar, Chickasaw, Delaware, Floyd, Franklin, Lynn, and Wright Counties. $200,000 to Cerro Gordo, Hancock, Mitchell, and Worth Counties, and $200,000 to Howard, Jones, Louisa, and Story Counties. Outside counsel. The council approved two requests for outside counsel, including representation for the second injury fund and the Department of Transportation in a workers' compensation case, and representation to assist the office of the chief information officer with cloud-based and other specialized technology. Lease. The council approved a lease between the Department of Natural Resources and the Corn Belt Telephone Company for $300. The lease is for underground cable at Blackhawk State Park in Sac County. Payment of cost. The council approved all requested payment of cost items at the amounts recommended by the Auditor of State. Additional information is available from the Legislative Services Agency upon request. The staff contacts for this fiscal update are are Deb Cusell, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6767, and Christine Meckler, Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6561. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 7, 2016. Commission of Veterans Affairs, October 2016 Meeting. The Iowa Commission of Veterans Affairs met on October 5, 2016 at the Iowa Veterans Home in Marshalltown. Iowa Department of Veterans Affairs update. Executive Director Robert King recently retired. Mr. Bob Staben is acting as Interim Executive Director until the Governor names a replacement. The Attorney General's Office has been receiving complaints and investigating, quote, pension poachers who charge exorbitant fees for helping veterans apply for benefits. County Veteran Affairs Commissioners in all 99 counties as well as federal chartered veterans service organizations will help veterans apply for these benefits free of charge. The Private Providers of Veterans Benefit Services Disclosure Act 2015 Iowa Acts Chapter 74 requires that private providers of these services disclose this information to veterans and includes a civil penalty. Erosion problems have begun occurring at the Iowa Veterans Cemetery. Services have been contracted to fix this. Iowa Veterans Home Update. The director provided an update of infrastructure projects, recent donations, and the current waiting list. The Veterans Home recently received a positive review from the Iowa Department of Inspections and Appeals and the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Veterans Trust Fund Update. Commission Chair Dan Gannon pointed out that Next month's meeting for the trust fund will review an unusually high number of individual applications at 34, totaling nearly $64,000 in requests for assistance. Applications for assistance usually total between 20 and 25 per month. The trust fund is still currently making awards in all 17 categories of assistance. Veterans Council Coalition 2017 Legislative Priorities. The commission voted to support the Iowa Veterans Council Coalition 2017 Legislative Priorities. These four requests include fully funding all state veteran-related programs, waiving the motor vehicle registration fee for one personal vehicle for veterans with a 50% or greater service-connected disability rating, increasing the military property tax exemption from $1,852 to $3,700, observing the POW-MIA flag protocol established in the U.S. General Services Administration's Federal Management Regulations Bulletin 2008-B6 on six federal holidays, The protocol requires the POW-MIA flag to be flown below the United States flag and above the state of Iowa flag. Presentation Mr. Tony Smithart, Director of Veteran Employment and Training Services at the U.S. Department of Labor, and Mrs. Linda Rouse, Veterans Program Manager at Iowa Workforce Development, gave an overview of employment programs and other policies related to veterans. U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, VA, Updates. There have been updates given on the following areas. Medical Center in Des Moines. Director Gail Green has spent on the job for about three months. The new emergency room has opened and a new clinic in Knoxville will be opened by mid-January. The Fort Dodge Clinic was previously run by UnityPoint Health, but the hospital is ending that contract and the VA Medical Center will be taking over staffing and operations of that clinic soon. The Medical Center is is also working with the VA Benefits Administration to co-locate exams and clinical staff into the administration office. The reallocation is expected to take place this month. Medical Center in Iowa City. Brian Clark, Public Affairs Officer, informed the commission about the new center's 2-5 to year strategic plan. Infrastructure updates taking place and the opening of a new office in Davenport to co-locate chronic homelessness and intensive substance abuse treatment services in order to increase effectiveness and capacity. Additionally, the new eight bay operating area will be opening this month, after which the old operating room will close for renovation. The next meeting will be held on January 4, 2017 at the Gold Star Museum at Camp Dodge in Johnston, Iowa. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Kent Ohms, Legislative Analyst 2, with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-725-2200. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 7, 2016. Children's Mental Health and Well-Being Workgroup. The Children's Mental Health and Well-Being Workgroup met on Thursday, October 6, 2016 in the State Capitol. The work group is charged with conducting a study on children's mental health and children's services systems and providing guidance on the implementation of the recommendations in the work group's 2015 final report. Learning Lab request for proposal update. The Department of Human Services or DHS is in the process of awarding up to 3 grants for learning labs in the next several weeks. Learning labs our networks engaged in cross-system family-focused care management and are designed to collect data on approaches, outcomes, and best practices. Learning lab data will be used in reports to the DHS and the General Assembly. Children's Mental Health Crisis Services. The work group received an update from the two providers that were awarded pilot projects for children's mental health crisis services. The pilot projects were awarded to Youth Shelter Services in the Mason City area and Season Center for Behavioral Health in a nine-county area in northwest Iowa. Both projects are in the planning phase and will begin to be implemented in the next few months. The next meeting of the Children's Mental Health and Well-Being Workgroup will be held on Thursday, November 3rd, 2016 in room 19 of the state capitol. The meeting will be focused on preventative services for the children's mental health and children's services systems. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Jess Benson, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-4611. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 11, 2016. Working Group on Alcohol Regulation Policy. The Working Group on Alcohol Regulation Policy met on Wednesday, September 28, 2016, at the FFA Enhancement Center on the DMAC campus in Ankeny, Iowa. The Working Group which was established by the Iowa Alcoholic Beverages Division, or IABD, in cooperation with the Iowa Economic Development Authority, or IEDA, is tasked with taking a comprehensive look at Iowa's current alcohol regulation policy and the challenges that the three-tier distribution system presents for various members of the alcoholic beverage industry. Discussion. All members of the group were reintroduced and allowed the opportunity to share their reflections on the last meeting upon completion of the member introductions Bobby Bailey and the IABD and John Linquist of the Attorney General's Office gave a presentation on the history of prohibition and subsequent alcohol regulation in the state of Iowa including an analysis of several court cases and how their rulings have affected alcohol distribution in Iowa the next meeting of the working group will be held on Wednesday October 12 2016 at 2 p.m. at the FFA Enhancement Center located on the DMACC campus at 1055 Southwest Prairie Trail Parkway, Ankeny, Iowa. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Christine Meckler, Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6561. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 11, 2016. State Appeal Board Meeting, October 2016. The State Appeal Board met on October 3, 2016 in Des Moines. The Board took the following action. Approved approximately $14,000 in general claims filed under Iowa Code Chapter 25 and denied three claims totaling approximately $2,500. Approved five tort claims filed under Iowa Code Chapter 669 for approximately $18,000. The Board denied tort claims totaling approximately $137 million. Settlements. The State Appeal Board approved two settlements. A payment of $150,000 to cover settlement of a 2011 medical malpractice suit filed against the University of Iowa Hospitals and Clinics, or UIHC. The claimant alleged that the hospital staff failed to properly diagnose and treat Kent Carter's renal cell carcinoma, ultimately causing his death. The board unanimously voted to agree to the payment breakdown of $129,000 to be paid by the university with the remaining $21,000 to be paid by the state from the general fund. A payment of $315,000 to cover settlement of a 2012 medical negligence suit filed against the UIHC. The claimant, Rebecca Martin, alleged that the hospital staff was negligent during an exploratory procedure ultimately leaving her lower extremities fully paralyzed. The board unanimously voted to approve the payment breakdown of $157,500 to be paid by the university with the remaining $157,500 to be paid by the state from the general fund judgments. The Board approved one judgment at its October meeting, a payment of $225 for court costs from a post-conviction relief case from pursuant to Iowa Code Chapter 822, in which the claimant contested the loss of earned time after being found guilty of violating prison rules. The North Lee County Court ordered the state to restore the claimant for his time earned and pay the resulting court costs. The board voted unanimously to pay the requested sum. The next regular meeting of the State Appeal Board is scheduled for November 7, 2016 in Des Moines. The staff contacts for this fiscal update are Christine Meckler, Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6561 and Laura Book, Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-725-0509. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 11, 2016. Fiscal Year 2018 Federal Medical Assistance Percentage or FMAP match rate. Fiscal Year 2018 FMAP the Bureau of Economic Analysis released the final state personal per capita income data for 2015 on September 28, 2016. This allowed states to calculate the final fiscal year 2018 FMAP rates. The fiscal year 2018 FMAP rates are based on per capita personal incomes for calendar years 2013 through 2015. Iowa's fiscal year 2018 FMAP rate increased by 1.77 percent to 58.05 percent. This means for every dollar spent on the Medicaid program, the federal government pays 0.5805 cents and Iowa pays 0.4195 cents. The FMAP increase indicates that Iowa's economy is not doing as well compared to other states, resulting in the larger share of the total FMAP pie for Iowa. This is the second year in a row that the FMAP rate has moved back in the state's favor, meaning Iowa pays less after declining 8.2% from fiscal year 2010 to fiscal year 2016. Fiscal Impact Although the final fiscal impact is still being calculated, the 1.77% change in the FMAP rate means that the state will be responsible for approximately $70 million less in Medicaid expenditures in fiscal year 2018. This is a chart for a five-year change in the FMAP rate. Five-year state regular Medicaid FMAP. State fiscal year, fiscal year 2014, federal share 58.35%, state share 41.66%, federal percentage change minus 1.53%. State fiscal year, fiscal year 2015, federal share 56.14%, state share 43.86%, federal percent change, minus 2.21%. Fiscal year 2016, federal share 55.07%, state share 44.93%, federal percent change, minus 1.07%. Fiscal year 2017, federal share 56.28%, state share 43.72%, federal percent change 1.21%. Fiscal year 2018, federal share 58.05%, state share 41.95%, federal percent change 1.77%. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Jess Benson, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-4611. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 11, 2016. Audit Report, Iowa Civil Rights Commission. Fiscal Year 2015 Audit. The Auditor of State recently released a report on the Iowa Civil Rights Commission, or ICRC, for the fiscal year ended June 30, 2015. The ICRC is charged with investigating, holding hearings and rendering decisions on any complaints of unfair or discriminatory practices in public accommodations, employment, credit, housing, apprenticeship programs, on-the-job training programs, and vocational schools on the basis of age, race, creed, color, sex, religion, national origin, or disability. The Commission is also charged with planning and conducting programs designed to eliminate racial, religious, cultural, and intergroup tensions. Receipt Deposits. Iowa Code Section 12.10 of the Iowa Code requires monies received by the Commission to be deposited with the Office of the Treasurer of State within 10 days of collection. 13 of 22 checks tested were not deposited in a timely manner. Recommendation. The Commission should ensure that all receipts are deposited with the Office of the Treasurer of State within 10 days in accordance with Iowa Code Section 12.10 of the Iowa Code. Response, the Commission will review its receipt process and ensure that all receipts are deposited with the Office of the Treasurer of State within 10 days. Conclusion, the Commission's response was accepted. For more information, the full audit report is available on the Auditor of State's website. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Laura Book, Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515 725 0509. Fiscal Update Fiscal Services Division October 12, 2016. Transportation Commission October Meeting. The Transportation Commission met on October 10th and 11th, 2016 in Dubuque. The topics covered included Revitalize Iowa's Sound Economy or RISE, Calamar. RISE is a program created in 1985 for the purpose of promoting economic development in Iowa through the establishment, construction, improvement, and maintenance of roads and streets. In September of 2016, the City of Kalmar requested RISE funds for road construction. At the October meeting, the Commission approved a grant of $135,000 or up to 50% of the RISE project cost whichever is less. The anticipated completion date of the construction project is July 2017. RISE Davenport in September of 2016 the City of Davenport requested RISE funds for road construction and intersection improvements. At the October meeting the Commission approved a grant of 2.4 million dollars or up to 50 percent of the RISE project cost whichever is less. The anticipated completion date of the construction project is December 2017. State Recreational Trails Program funding recommendations. The Department of Transportation presented and the Commission approved the following recommendations for $2.5 million in funding from the State Recreational Trails Program. East Blue Creek Bridge Replacement along Cedar Valley Nature Trail Lynn and Black Hawk County Conservation Boards, $250,000. Extension of Felderman Trail, Bellevue and Iowa Department of Natural Resources, three hundred thousand dollars. Interstate twenty nine Riverfront Trail Connection, Sioux City, six hundred fifty thousand dollars. Iowa River Trail Marshalltown to South Side of Iowa River Marshalltown six hundred fifty thousand dollars. Rolling Prairie Trail, Allison to Bristow, Butler County Conservation Board, six hundred sixty five thousand dollars. two thousand eighteen Highway. Railroad Crossing Safety Program recommendations. The Highway Railroad Crossing Safety Program funds the installation and upgrades of warning or control devices for places where roads and railroads cross. The Commission approved fiscal year 2018 federal funding for projects in Iowa funded through the program. The Department provided a list of the approved projects. The next meeting of the Commission will be held on November 8, 2016 in Ames. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Tim Krellin, Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-725-1286. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 14, 2016. Revenue Estimating Conference, October Meeting. Revenue Estimate Summary The Revenue Estimating Conference, or REC, met on October 13, 2016, and decreased the estimated fiscal year 2017 general funds receipts by seventy one point nine million dollars or minus one percent when compared to the fiscal year 2017 adjusted REC March estimate fiscal year 2017 the October REC estimate for fiscal year 2017 net general fund receipts including transfers total seven billion three hundred and $8.1 million, an increase of $387 million, or 5.6%, compared to actual fiscal year 2016. The estimated changes include an increase of 7.2% in gross income tax, 3.3% in gross sales and use tax, and 2% in gross corporate tax receipts. There is a chart that provides additional detail for the fiscal year 2017 revenue projection. To view the chart go to the Iowa General Assembly website www.legis.iowa.gov and click on the publications tab. Click on fiscal analysis at the left. Then under fiscal publications click on fiscal update. Locate revenue estimating conference October meeting and click open the PDF file. Fiscal year 2018. The REC Established an estimate of $7,607.3 million for fiscal year 2018. This is an increase of $299.2 million, or 4.1%, compared to the revised fiscal year 2017 estimate. The estimated changes include an increase of 4.3% in gross income tax, 3.9% in gross sales and use tax, and 4.4% in gross corporate tax receipts. There is a chart that provides additional detail for the fiscal year 2018 revenue projection. Once again to view the chart go to the Iowa General Assembly website www.legis.iowa.gov and click on the publications tab. Click on fiscal analysis at the left. Then under fiscal publications click on fiscal update. Locate revenue estimating conference October meeting and click open the PDF file. The next REC meeting has not yet been scheduled but will likely occur in December 2016. A detailed spreadsheet of the REC estimates is available on the Legislative Services Agency website. The staff contacts for this fiscal update are Jeff Robinson, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515 281 and Kent Ohms, Legislative Analyst 2 with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-725-2200. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 14, 2016. Municipal Fire and Police Retirement System Actuarial Valuation Report. The July 1, 2016 actuarial valuation of the Municipal Fire and Police Retirement System was prepared by the Silverstone Group. The contribution rates for the employee members for fiscal year 2018 will be 9.40% and the city's contribution rate will be 25.68%. There is no change in the employee contribution rate and a decrease of 0.24% from the current year's city contribution rate of 25.92%. Valuation report. The actuarial value of assets totaled $2.334 billion. This is an increase of $94.4 million compared to the previous year. The unfunded actuarial accrued liability is $533.9 million, an increase of $3.4 million compared to the previous year. The current funded ratio for the actuarial value of assets is 81.38%. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Jennifer Acton, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-7846. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 14, 2016. Audit Report, Office of the Chief Information Officer. Audit Report Released. The Auditor's Office recently released a report regarding the Office of the Chief Information Officer, or OCIO, for the year ended June 30, 2015. Financial reporting. The Generally Accepted Accounting Principles, or GAAP, package is required to be submitted to the DAS State Accounting Enterprise, or SAE, by the first week of September each year. The audit found that amounts due from the general fund to the internal service fund were understated by $141,882, and the operating lease rental expense was overstated by $67,196. Recommendation, the OCIO should ensure that the GAAP package information is reported completely and accurately. Response, the fiscal year 2015 reimbursement was processed on August 26 and coded as fiscal year 2016, even though the fiscal year 2015 hold open period was not closed. The OCIO will review the hold open coding requirement and pre-audit responsibilities with staff. In addition, the vendor's invoice for annual maintenance charges was incorrectly added to the lease database, causing an overstatement. Beginning July 1, 2015, fiscal year 2016, annual maintenance expenses will be identified and tracked on a separate spreadsheet. Conclusion, the auditor's office accepted the OCIO response capital assets Iowa code section seven eight a30 requires each department of the state to maintain a written detailed up-to-date inventory of property under its charge and control accumulated depreciation was understated by three hundred twenty nine thousand two hundred thirty six dollars due to a manual depreciation entry not being recorded when assets were transferred from the Department of Administrative Services Information Technology Enterprise or DAS to the newly formed OCIO. Recommendation, the OCIO should ensure a detailed up-to-date capital asset listing is maintained. Accumulated depreciation should be properly calculated and recorded. Response. The process of moving assets from the DAS ITE to the OCIO in the one third fixed asset system involved multiple steps and calculations. Existing controls were not designed to accommodate the types of accounting and financial activities required to transition the DAS ITE to the OCIO. The one-third fixed asset documents were not completed in a timely manner and calculations were not adjusted for this delay. This caused a gap in the system's depreciation and an understatement in the accumulated depreciation. A one-time catch-up entry was completed in fiscal year 2016 to correct the depreciation account. Conclusion, the auditor's office accepted the OCIO response. The audit report is available on the Auditor of State's website. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Jennifer Acton, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-7846. Fiscal Update Fiscal Services Division October 17, 2016 Iowa E-911 Communications Council Meeting. The Iowa E-911 Communications Council met on October 13, 2016 at the West Des Moines City Hall. E911 Surcharge Fund Administrator Blake DeRoche reported on several items. Workshops to educate Public Safety Answering Points or PSAP personnel on the previous legislative sessions law changes have been held and there has been positive feedback from those. The last workshop will be at the Ramada Inn Tropics Resort and Conference Center on Merle Hay Road in Des Moines on the morning of October 24, 2016. Through the request of proposal process, it has been determined that the cost to the E-911 surcharge fund will be $1.5 million to pay for connectivity for all PSAPs with the NextGen project, allowing text to E-911. The deadline for PSAPs to complete this work has been set for June 30, 2017. Anything after that date will be the responsibility of the individual PSAP to cover. PSAP grant applications. Eight grants totaling $0.9 million were approved by the Council. There was extended discussion regarding the application for the Department of Public Safety or DPS to remove an answering center from Atlantic. Discussion centered on the existing equipment in Atlantic being less than two years old and on the inclusion of remodeling costs for physical consolidation within the grant application. The council did not approve the grant application for the DPS. Director Mark Shouten of the Homeland Security and Emergency Management Department will make a final determination regarding the DPS application based upon the council's input. Currently, there are four grant applications representing $192,000 in funding that are on the waiting list. Funds will only be available if previously approved projects come in under budget or additional funding is approved in the 2017 legislative session. The next council meeting will be November 10, 2016 at the West Des Moines City Hall. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Alice Folk Wisner Legislative Analyst 2 with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6764. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 17, 2016, DHS Child Welfare Meeting. The Department of Human Services, or DHS, invited caucus staff and LSA analysts to the Hoover Building on October 13, 2016 to discuss upcoming changes to the Child Welfare Service Procurement Process. New Service Contracts. New Child Welfare Service Contracts will begin July 1, 2017 for fiscal year 2018. The DHS will group child welfare emergency services, foster group care services, and supervised apartment living together in one contract, and recruitment and retention of resource families and training and peer support in a separate contract. However, for the purpose of gaining entry into the upcoming two year contract, providers can apply to provide services in any area that aligns with the provider's level of expertise. Behavioral Assessment The DHS is in the process of developing a multi-user behavioral assessment tool that will collect data on and feedback from children receiving child welfare services over a two-year cycle. This data will be used to determine the optimal placement of children in facilities and programs providing care in terms of geographic region and mode of service delivery. The DHS plans to partner with the Annie E. Casey Foundation for the purposes of collecting and analyzing the data and expects to cover the cost of the assessment tool with existing resources. However surplus funds from the decategorization budget will be redirected and used for the purpose of augmenting dollars going toward the provision of core child welfare services including the behavioral assessment tool. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Angel Banks Adams. Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6301. Fiscal Update. Fiscal Services Division, October 17, 2016. Audit. Cedar County Sheriff's Office Special Investigation. Audit for June 1, 2013 through December 15, 2015. State Auditor Mary Moseman recently released a special investigation audit of the Cedar County Sheriff's Office. The investigation was requested because of concerns regarding collections that were not properly deposited by the former jail administrator Darren Wilkinson. He voluntarily resigned his position on December 28, 2015 and has been charged with theft. Findings a total of $35,063 dollars and 23 cents of undeposited collections unbilled fees and improper disbursements were identified in the audit. These were $23,130 of undeposited room and board work release fees, $3,637.41 of undeposited commissary collections, $7,380 of unbilled room and board fees, and $915.82 of improper disbursements, including a payout to the former jail administrator for vacation time. Recommendations. Recommendations detailed in the audit included the functions of billing, posting collections to the general ledger and preparing deposits to the county treasurer should be segregated when related to room and board work release fees. The duties of processing collections, posting collections to accounting records and preparing and making bank deposits should be segregated when related to the commissary. The sheriff should ensure financial records are reviewed in a timely manner Reconciliations are prepared for deposits bank reconciliations are prepared and supporting documentation for accounting records is examined on a periodic basis. Reconciliations between inmate accounts and the payments received for room and board should be completed by someone independent of collecting the payments. Reconciliations between the amount collected for room and board and the amount deposited to the county treasurer should be completed by someone independent of any collection or deposit duties. Independent reviews should be performed to ensure fees collected are properly deposited. Reconciliations between the inmate accounts and the collections received for commissary should be completed by someone independent of collecting the payments. Reconciliations between the amount collected for commissary and the amount deposited should be completed by someone independent of any collection or deposit duties. Independent reviews should be performed to ensure commissary collections are properly deposited. Policies and procedures to ensure all collections received are deposited in a timely manner should be implemented. A monthly reconciliation of the Sheriff's Office accounting records to the bank balances should be prepared by an independent person and retained. All collections should be placed in a secure location with limited access. Credit card statements should be received initially by an independent person for review to ensure that the statements cannot be modified or tampered with prior to review and procedures should be implemented ensuring the credit cards issued to the county to purchase items on behalf of the Sheriff's Office and for travel costs associated with attending training events are not used for personal purchases. The full audit report can be found on the Auditor of States website. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Alice Falk-Wisner, Legislative Analyst 2 with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6764. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division October 17, 2016. Audit Report, Department of Natural Resources. The Auditor of State released the Fiscal Year 2015 Audit Report for the Department of Natural Resources, or DNR, on October 10, 2016. The following conditions related to internal control were reported, recommendations were made, and responses were given by the DNR. Payroll, the DNR processes and records Payroll and Personal Information in the Human Resources Information System, or HRIS, that utilizes an online P-1 document to initiate and approve payroll actions, such as adding new employees and recording pay raises. The findings in the audit report included, there are three employees who have the ability to apply multiple levels of approving timesheets. The three employees can also initiate and approve P-1 documents without other approval. There is no independent review of the preliminary payroll report before it is finalized. Of the 10 timesheets tested, four timesheets were not approved until after the payroll warrant was issued and two timesheets were never approved by a supervisor. The department responded that it receives a quarterly P-1 report from the Department of Administrative Services and all P-1s are reviewed by the human resource supervisor or his designee. The DNR also performs periodic independent reviews of the final payroll journal and reviews the approved timesheets. The response was accepted by the auditor's office. Field offices. There was a review of 21 field offices and the following conditions were reported. Five sites had capital assets that were not properly tagged. Fourteen sites lacked segregation of duties related to the collection, deposit, and reconciliation of receipts. The DNR responded that an annual confirmation of capital assets is completed. That includes reviewing the tags. The DNR also responded that there are policies and procedures in place for processing receipts. The response was accepted by the auditor's office. Reservation system. A review related to the park's reservation system, or PRS, and the electronic licensing system for Iowa, or ELSI, was completed for the time period of July 1st, 2006 through June 30th, 2011. The auditor's report recommended that the DNR evaluate whether the fees charged were comparable and competitive and covered costs of the system. The fiscal year 2015 audit found the requested review of the systems had not been completed. The DNR responded it had implemented a comparison of park fees to surrounding states and also compared revenue to expenditures every fiscal year. The response was accepted by the auditor's office. Uncollectible accounts for the year ended June thirtieth, two 2015, The DNR reported an accounts receivable balance of $412,000 for administrative penalties and $962,000 for assessed damages. This included amounts dating back to 1997. The audit recommended that the DNR should establish policies and procedures related to establishing allowances for doubtful accounts. The DNR responded it had implemented written policies to write off uncollectible administrative penalties. However, liquidated damages are assessed by court judges and collected by the state's clerks of court, not the DNR. The response was accepted by the auditor's office. Statutory code findings. The following findings were reported related to Iowa code compliance. There is no compliance advisory panel as required in Iowa code section 455B.150 and the federal Clean Air Act. The DNR responded that there are no current appointments to the panel and when the appointments are made by the governor the panel will reconvene. There have been no random public works inspections by the DNR as required by Iowa code section 455B.174. This includes inspections of work completed by cities or counties. The DNR responded that city and county water authorities have permitting authority. The authorities submit quarterly reports that are reviewed by the DNR. There has been no implementation of the agricultural easement program as required by Iowa Code section 456B.11. The program is to be used for the acquisition of wetlands and conservation easements around wetlands that result from the closure of agricultural drainage wells. The DNR responded that acquiring highly productive farmland either by easement or purchase is expensive and the DNR must rely on federal programs to accomplish this work. The DNR also responded that landowners are usually interested in continuing to farm the land in the drainage area rather than restore wetlands. The DNR requested this section be rescinded during the 2013 legislative session. However, it was not. The DNR will again work to rescind this section in the upcoming legislative session. The Department has not completed the inventory of protected wetlands as required in Iowa Code Section 456B.12. This includes listing wetlands and marshes of each county and making preliminary designation as to which constitute protected wetlands. The DNR responded that the program was never established because the current federal regulations exceed the protection this Iowa Code requirement would offer. This wetland classification is outdated and fails to recognize other wetland types such as forested wetlands, fens, and sedge meadows. The Auditor of State accepted the DNR responses for the first, third, and fourth findings and acknowledged the response to the second finding. The report is available online. For additional information, please contact the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Deb Kozell, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6767. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 17, 2016. Audit Report, Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship. The Auditor of State released the Fiscal Year 2015 Audit Report for the Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship, or DALS, on October 10, 2016 the following conditions related to internal controls were reported. Segregation of duties. There were four bureaus in the department that were cited for not segregating duties. These included the Dairy Bureau, the Commercial Feed and Fertilizer Bureau, the Weights and Measures Bureau, and the Animal Industry Bureau. In each bureau, one person is responsible for opening mail, recording receipts in the bureau's database, preparing the deposit, and taking the deposit to accounting. There is no independent reconciliation of collections to deposits. The department responded that funding limitations constrict full segregation of duties. However, the DALS has made changes to some of the departmental processes which will help further segregate some of the duties discussed in this comment. The response was accepted. Statutory Code Findings The following findings were reported by the Auditor's Office related to Iowa Code Compliance. Some of the bureaus in the DALS do not submit electronic bid notices to targeted small businesses as outlined in Iowa Code Section 73.16. The department responded that the majority of the department's procurements are from competitively bid state contracts, which are exempt from this procedure. However, the department will continue to address this issue. The department does not conduct a qualifying exam prior to issuing a commercial weighing and measuring servicer license as outlined in Iowa Code Section 215.23. The department responded that the annual fee is $5 and does not cover the cost to conduct an exam. The department will work on administering this program. The department subcontracts moisture meter inspections. However, there is no verification that the inspections have been made as outlined in Iowa Code Section 215A.2. The department responded that they have a listing of all the licensed moisture meters in the state and the subcontractor confirms the listing. When the department makes changes to the listing, the subcontractor confirms the changes. At the conclusion of the inspection season, the subcontractor sends the department confirmation of all inspections which includes the make and model of each meter and scale at each location and whether those devices passed or failed the inspection. The department then compares the number of licensed meters scales to the total number of subcontractor inspections and follows up with any discrepancies. Once the review is complete, the final report is signed off on by the Weights and Measures Bureau. The Pesticide Bureau does not operate an applicator certification program as outlined in Iowa Code Section 206.5 and needs to update the related administrative rules. The department responded that a rule change would affect a large number of people and would take over a year to implement. The Auditor of State accepted the DALS response for the first three findings and acknowledged the response to the fourth finding. The report is available online. For additional information, please contact the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Deb Gazelle, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6767. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 19, 2016. Peace Officers Retirement System Actuarial Report. The June 30, 2016 Actuarial Valuation Report prepared by Kavanaugh McDonald for the Peace Officers Retirement Accident and Disability System, or PORS, has been issued. The contribution rates are set in statute and will be as follows, effective July 1, 2017, Fiscal Year 2018. Employer, State, Rate. 37% an increase of 2% compared to the previous year employee or member rate 11.4% no change compared to the previous year valuations the actuarial value of assets totaled 426.4 million dollars an increase of 33.4 million dollars compared to the previous year the unfunded actuarial accrued liability is $152 million, an increase of $10.4 million compared to the previous year. In addition, a standing limited general fund appropriation of $2.5 million was appropriated to the system in House File 2459, the Standing Appropriations Act. This is a decrease of $2.5 million compared to the prior fiscal year. The current funded ratio for the actuarial value of assets is 73.7%. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Jennifer Acton, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-7846. Fiscal Update Fiscal Services Division October 19, 2016 Judicial Retirement Fund Actuarial Valuation Report Judicial Retirement Report The July 1, 2016 Actuarial Valuation Report of the Judicial Retirement System was prepared by Kavanaugh McDonald. The contribution rates for the state and for the members of the Judicial Retirement System are set by statute. The state's contribution rate will be 30.60% and the member's contribution rate will be 9.35%. This is no change compared to the prior year valuation report. The actuarial value of assets totaled $166.2 million, an increase of $9.9 million compared to the previous year. The unfunded actuarial accrued liability is $24.7 million, a decrease of $5.2 million compared to the previous year. The current funded ratio for the actuarial value of assets is 87.1%. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Jennifer Acton, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-7846. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 21, 2016. Iowa Lottery Board Meeting. The Iowa Lottery Board, or ILA, met on September 27, 2016 in Clive, Iowa. The Board took the following action. Financial Update. The board was briefed on the current financial details regarding Iowa lottery sales in Iowa. According to the data provided by the Iowa Lottery Authority, or ILA, total fiscal year 2016 instant scratch ticket sales for the 12 months ending June 2016 increased by approximately 10.2% when compared to fiscal year 2015 total instant scratch ticket sales, For the 12 months ending June 2015, total fiscal year 2016 Powerball sales totaled approximately $74.9 million, an increase of approximately 43.4% when compared to fiscal year 2015 total Powerball sales total lottery operating revenues for fiscal year 2016 increased by approximately 13 percent when compared to fiscal year 2015 total revenues. In addition, the authority also informed the board that the total amount of proceeds distributed for fiscal year 2016 was 88 million dollars. Fiscal year 2017 sales through August thirty first 2016 are calculated to be approximately 16.7 percent ahead of sales compared to the same period of fiscal year 2016. Fiscal year 2017 proceeds through August thirty first 2016 are calculated to be approximately 22.1 percent ahead of fiscal year 2016 proceeds for the same period. Instant Ticket Printing Contract Extensions. On March second two 2012 the ILA issued RFPIL 12-02 a request for proposals to solicit contract proposals from qualified firms or vendors interested in printing instant tickets and providing related services for the ILA. On May 31, 2012, the Board approved the ILA to issue a Notice of Intent Award subject to completion of a successful Department of Criminal Investigation or DCI Investigation to the following vendor applicants. International Game Technology, IGT, London, UK. Pollard Banknote Limited, PBN, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Scientific Games International Incorporated, SGI, Alpharetta, Georgia. Background investigations for all three applicants were completed. The ILA negotiated contracts with all three applicants as well, with the initial contract term beginning January 1, 2013 and ending December 31, 2014. The first one-year extension of each of these contracts was approved by the Board on September 23, 2014, and the second one-year extension was approved on September 29, 2015. Under these contracts, two additional one-year extensions are still available. At its September meeting, the Board unanimously approved the lottery staff to exercise the third extension of these contracts expiring December 31, 2017. Fiscal Year 2018-2019 Budget Proposal. At its September meeting, the Board unanimously voted to accept the ILA's fiscal year 2018 and fiscal year 2019 budget presentation and proposal. The board approved to set total sales projections for both fiscal year 2018 and fiscal year 2019 at 333 point eight million dollars an increase of approximately two percent compared to fiscal year 2017 total proceeds for fiscal year 2018 were approved at a level of seventy point two million dollars and at seventy point seven million dollars for fiscal year 2019 at the time of the meeting the proposed budget did not include any salary or benefit compensation changes as contract negotiations for the upcoming fiscal year had not yet been completed. The board will revisit these areas of the budget in June 2017 when contract negotiations have been completed. The next meeting of the board has not yet been scheduled. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Christine Meckler, Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6561. Fiscal Update Fiscal Services Division October 21, 2016 Working Group on Alcohol Regulation Policy The Working Group on Alcohol Regulation Policy met on Wednesday, October 19, 2016 at the FFA Enhancement Center on the DMAC campus in Ankeny, Iowa. The working group, which was established by the Iowa Alcoholic Beverages Division, or IABD, in cooperation with the Iowa Economic Development Authority, or IEDA, is tasked with taking a comprehensive look at Iowa's current alcohol regulation policy and the challenges that the three-tier distribution system presents for various members of the alcoholic beverage industry. Discussion after a brief opening statement by IDEA, director Debbie Durham, the working group was presented with an overview of the historical and current state of Iowa's enforcement of alcohol-related laws. Heather Schaefer, compliance officer at the IABD, led a discussion on alcohol regulation on three levels, federal, state, and local. As part of its regulatory duties, the IABD also follows an investigative process in response to alleged alcohol policy violations. Violations such as bootlegging and the serving and consumption of alcohol by minors are investigated by the IABD in collaboration with state and local law enforcement. At its October 19th meeting the working group also heard several presentations by various industry members including representatives of the Iowa Brewers Guild, 515 Brewing Company of Des Moines, Peace Tree Brewing of Knoxville and Toppling Goliath Brewing of Decorah. Each industry member representative provided a detailed explanation of the member's role in the industry as well as how new brewing techniques, changing consumer tastes and developing economic trends have affected production and business models. The next meeting of the working group will be held on Wednesday, October 26, 2016 at 2 p.m. at the FFA Enhancement Center located on the DMAC campus at 1055 Southwest Prairie Trail Parkway in Ankeny, Iowa. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Christine Meckler, Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6561. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 21, 2016. Mental Health and Disability Services Commission meeting. The Iowa Mental Health and Disability Services or MHDS Commission met on Thursday, October 20, 2016. The Commission approved Autism Support Program Administrative Rules that will now move on to the Administrative Rules Review Committee. The Commission also reviewed, discussed concerns regarding and approved an annual report on Medicaid Managed Care. House File 2460 Fiscal Year 2017 Health and Human Services Appropriations Act Requires the Commission to submit an extensive summary of pertinent information regarding its deliberations during the prior year relating to Medicaid managed care to the Department of Human Services, or DHS, no later than November 15th annually. The DHS will include that information in its annual report that is submitted to the General Assembly no later than December 15th annually. The second half of the Commission meeting was a joint meeting with the Mental Health Planning and Advisory Council. The Commission and the Council received an update and had a general discussion on mental health redesign with DHS Director Chuck Palmer. House File 2460 requires the DHS to review and report the progress of the implementation of the Adult Mental Health and Disability Services System redesigned to the Governor and General Assembly by November 15, 2016. The Commission and the Council also discussed legislative recommendations that will be approved and submitted at the next meeting. The next meeting of the MHDS Commission will be held on December 1, 2016 at Polk County River Place. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Jess Benson, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-4611. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 21, 2016, Iowa Statewide Interoperable Communication System Board Meeting. The Iowa Statewide Interoperable Communication System, or ISICS, Board met October 13, 2016 at the West Des Moines City Hall. Significant agenda items included, Statewide Interoperability Coordinator, or SWIC, report. Coordinator Craig Allen reported that he has been working on the Iowa Statewide Communications Interoperability Plan or SCIP and aligning it to the three areas of Interoperability Continuum, Iowa Law and the Land Mobile Radio or LMR system. The SCIP will then be LMR data and administratively related with Public Safety Answering Point or PSAP issues to be added. Coordinator Allen attended two separate PSAP consolidation meetings held this month by the Homeland Security and Emergency Management Department, or HSEMD, and will continue to work closely with HSEMD on this topic. Coordinator Allen will be representing the ISICS board at the Telecommunications Industry Association, or TIA, meeting in November. Iowa's TIA membership is up for renewal. Currently, Coordinator Allen occupies a voting seat which allows Iowa a voice in shaping nationwide policy. Last year, the ISICS board budgeted $15,000 for TIA membership and travel to those meetings. Coordinator Allen will also be traveling to Oklahoma for a National Council of SWIC's meeting. The six individual Regional Interoperable Committees, or RICs, continue their work. The chair from RIC 5 encouraged the Outreach Committee to develop more white papers and work towards getting information out at the local level possibly by contributing to Firefighters Association newsletters. E911 Council Report. E911 Fund Administrator Blake DeRoche reported on several items. Four consolidation workshops have been held and were well attended with good discussion and dialogue. Information developed from these workshops will be included in the consolidation study due to the legislature in January 2017. The last workshop will be held during the morning of October 24th at the Ramada Inn Tropics Resort and Conference Center on Merle Hay Road in Des Moines. Through the request for a proposal process it has been determined that the cost to the E911 surcharge fund will be 1.5 million dollars to pay for connectivity for all PSAPs with the Next Gen project allowing text to E911. The deadline for PSAPs to complete this work has been set for June 30, 2017. Anything after that date will be the responsibility of the individual PSAP to cover. With the approval of eight grants totaling $0.9 million by the E-911 Communications Council at their meeting earlier in the day, the entire $4.4 million allowed for consolidation grants has been allocated. Funds will only be available for applications on the waiting list if previously approved projects come in under budget or additional funding is approved in the 2017 legislative session. User Group Committee. The committee will continue to meet with RIC chairs and encourage involvement. They will also concentrate on getting accurate information to the local level. Finance Committee. The committee will be working on a five-year plan. Currently, there is $275,000 remaining from state appropriations, funds that are allowed to carry forward each year, with $26,000 in expenditures so far this fiscal year and an additional $54,000 budgeted for consultant work and travel. Governance Committee. The committee would like to streamline the process for policy approval. They are working on the definition between policy and procedure and how both sides should be disseminated. Operations Committee. The strategic technical response trailers were discussed as there are items on the trailers exceeding life expectancies and the ISICS board needs to be ready financially to replace them as needed. FirstNet Outreach a frequently asked questions section regarding the LMR is being developed the outreach website should go live later this month informational videos will be posted on this website training and exercise a previously scheduled training class was canceled due to the flooding experienced in northeast Iowa it will be rescheduled to be held in Davenport in December the committee is considering making two three-minute informational videos technology committee the committee continues to work on the P25 fleet mapping issue. The committee is gathering existing state plans and developing a process for updating them. FirstNet Broadband Tribal Outreach to the Meskwaki Nation continues. The public comment period for the first net Environmental Impact Statement has passed. There was one comment received from Iowa that will be included in the draft report. Other reports. A Motorola representative provided an update on the ISICS project and stated that the focus has remained on site development work. Equipment shelters are being delivered. Equipment from the warehouse is placed in the shelter which is then positioned at the final location when that location is ready having the movable shelters accelerates the process and the plan is to have 25 sites installed by the end of the year new business there was a user group resolution approved to allow ISCIS access for Mahaska, Humboldt, Shelby and Harrison counties a standards working group is being formed to adapt policies from other states for best practices the next board meeting is November 10, 2016 at the West Des Moines City Hall The staff contact for this fiscal update is Alice Folk-Wisner, Legislative Analyst 2 with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6764. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 21, 2016. ESSA Advisory Committee Meeting, October 2016. The Department of Education convened the second meeting of the Every Student Succeeds Act, or ESSA, Advisory Committee on October 19, 2016. This group is intended to provide feedback to the Department of Education as it works to create the statewide plan for ESSA compliance to submit to the Federal Department of Education by March 6, 2017. The department representatives began by reviewing the timeline for the committee's work, including the upcoming meetings with issue-specific groups in November and December, English language learner groups, civil rights groups, school libraries groups, talented and gifted groups, and others. They also reiterated their objective to have an initial draft of the plan ready for review in early January 2017. The department representatives also included an overview of the key principles the committee is working under as it writes the ESSA plan, including having an inclusive process, communication with internal staff and other concerned parties, parents, the public, state leadership, asserting Iowa's interpretation of ESSA, embracing the flexibility within the parameters of ESSA, equity, and results. While Iowa does not face the issue of unequal access to high-quality teachers that many states do, there is work to be done in ensuring that all students are achieving at the highest level, bringing the administrative rules and Iowa code in line with the plan by removing the redundant or no longer applicable requirements. The group then reviewed the changes that were made to the, quote, theory of action, document that had been revised based on the feedback from the August meeting. This document aims to align the strategies that the department is using in each of the areas of the ESSA plan, standards and assessment policy and communication, finance, accountability, school improvement, slash intervention, educator quality, legal foundations, and early childhood to the purposes of those strategies. The afternoon portion of the meeting was dedicated to in-depth review of two sections of the ESSA plan, School Improvement Slash Intervention, which looks at the state's role in supporting districts and schools that are struggling, and accountability or what measures of success districts and states will be responsible for reporting. These areas are closely tied to one another. The department plans to exercise a multi-tiered system of support for local education agencies, both school districts and area education agencies. Department representatives reviewed the legal requirements in these areas and facilitated a conversation about the different optional measures the state can include. There was discussion around the best way to measure student growth including the possibility of not measuring growth in the first year of plan implementation which has both benefits and drawbacks. Discussion on this and other matters will continue at the next advisory committee meeting. The next meeting of this group is scheduled for Wednesday, December 7, 2016. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Josie Garretts, Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-725-2249. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 24, 2016, Iowa Telecommunications and Technology Commission Meeting. The Iowa Telecommunications and Technology Commission, or ITTC, met on October 19, 2016. Director's Update. The director of the Iowa Communications Network, or ICN, updated the commission on the creation of a leadership dashboard that provides information on 47 different key performance indicators to help monitor the financial health and utilization of resources within the agency. The director also provided the commission with an update on the ICN service outage that occurred on September 26, 2016. The outage impacted the Des Moines area and services originating out of Des Moines and lasted for approximately two hours. The vendor has corrected the issue and processes have been implemented to ensure it will not happen again administrative rules. The ICN is in the process of updating its administrative rules. This has not been done since 2012 and must be completed by July 2017. The ICN also recently hired a new administrative rules coordinator TJ Bullitt. Managed Voice Service State Managed Phone System. The ICN has partnered with CenturyLink to provide a managed phone system on the Capitol complex and to other areas across the state. This service includes bundled long distance and bundled phone sets with no contract, eliminating the need for maintenance contracts. The monthly port charge paid by an agency has been reduced from the previous cost that ranged from $40 and $50 a month to the current cost that ranges between $20 and $30 a month. Eight state agencies have had their phone systems switched over and six are currently in process. An additional eight more state agencies are planned for upgrades in 2017. The annual savings to capital complex agencies for voice and telecom services is estimated to be $1.4 million in direct agency expenses, primarily due to the bundling of long-distance services. In addition, the ICN is saving approximately $1.1 million a year in infrastructure dollars and will have invested approximately $1.34 million dollars by 2018 in new fiber and copper cabling on the Capitol complex. To date, the ICN has installed approximately 47 miles of new cable. The next scheduled commission meeting is November 17, 2016. The commission meets the third Thursday of every month. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Jennifer Acton, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-7846. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division October 24, 2016 Audit Report, Department of Transportation. Audit Report Released The State Auditor's Office recently released the annual audit report of the Department of Transportation for fiscal year 2016. Payroll. The Auditor's Office reported one finding related to payroll and made a recommendation to prevent future improper payroll practices. For 14 employees of the Motor Vehicle Enforcement Division who worked on multiple programs, the department used predetermined hours for work performed instead of actual hours to allocate payroll costs for each program. The errors appeared to be due to employee oversight. Recommendation. The department should ensure that employees record actual hours worked on each program. Agency response. The department has identified the problem and sent a memo to all motor vehicle enforcement employees stating that work activity must be recorded properly on a daily basis, effective October 1, 2015. Conclusion, response accepted. Internal controls, receipts, and disbursements. The auditor's office reported that the department incorrectly reported fiscal year 2015 receipts and disbursements to the Department of Administrative Services, or DAS, as fiscal year 2016 activity recommendation the department should implement procedures to ensure that all receipts and disbursements are identified and recorded under the proper fiscal year agency response the department has implemented procedures to ensure that payables are properly identified Conclusion. Response accepted. Internal controls, motor vehicle enforcement, salvage theft exams. The department is responsible for the salvage vehicle theft examination process, which physically verifies that stolen parts were not used to rebuild a vehicle and authenticates ownership of the vehicle. The department did not properly implement procedures for the exams. Recommendation. The department needs to implement various internal control procedures. Agency response. As of September 1st, First, 2016, the department has implemented a new system to eliminate the internal control deficiencies. Conclusion, response accepted. Internal Control's Right Express Transaction Review. The department assigns a Right Express fuel card to each department vehicle to purchase fuel and other maintenance items. Although the department regularly reviews card transactions, it did not do so for two months of fiscal year 2015. In addition, two card transfers were used to purchase items that cost an unreasonably high amount. Recommendation The department should document an independent review of Wright Express fuel card transactions on a monthly basis and resolve exceptions, if any, in a timely manner. In addition, the department should ensure that costs of transactions are reasonable. Agency response. Internal controls were improved for fiscal year 2016 including conducting a review of transactions of the right express fuel card transactions every month. Conclusion. Response accepted. Invoices. Printed invoices have no distinguishing marks indicating the invoices have been paid. Recommendation. A distinguishing mark should be added to the printed invoices. Agency response. The department will implement Updated technology that will add a distinguishing mark to printed invoices. Conclusion, response accepted. Service contracts. Department policy 010.10 requires service contracts between $500 and $4,999 to be informally bid and service contracts greater than $5,000 to be formally bid unless the state has a contract with the vendor through the DAS two contracts were not acquired in a competitive manner and one pre-contract questionnaire for corporations was not completed recommendation the department should ensure that its policies and procedures are followed agency response the department will clarify policies and procedures department policy 010.10 was amended in march 2016 To clarify that a pre-contract questionnaire is not required for corporations. Conclusion. Response accepted. Motor Vehicle Division Uniform Purchases. The Motor Vehicle Division purchases clothing to use as uniforms from local and online retail vendors instead of through a contract as required by the Department Policy 100.04. Recommendation. The Department should establish a written contract with a vendor for clothing purchases as required by Department Policy. Response. The department has tried repeatedly to establish a contract with a vendor. The department has recently negotiated a 50% discount for clothing purchases. Conclusion from auditor's office. The department should ensure that a written contract is established. Conclusion. Response accepted. Travel expense reimbursements. The department implemented an electronic travel payment reimbursement system allowing employees to scan and upload original travel receipts into the system. The department has not established a written policy regarding electronic travel payment reimbursement. Recommendation, the department should develop and implement policies related to electronic payment reimbursements. Response, the department is working on incorporating this recommendation. Conclusion, response accepted. Statutory requirements targeted small business. The State Auditor's Office found that Iowa Code Section 73.16 requires the department, among other agencies, to establish a procurement goal for certified targeted small businesses each fiscal year. Recommendation, the department should establish a dollar amount procurement level that exceeds the actual targeted small businesses procurement amount from the previous fiscal year. Response, the department has increased its goal and will submit required reports on a timely basis. Conclusion. The established goal was an increase over the previous year's goal, not the previous year's actual targeted small business procurements as required. The complete audit report is available on the State Auditor's website. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Tim Crellin, Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-725-1286. Fiscal Update. Fiscal Services Division, October 25th, 2016. Board of Regents proposed fiscal year 2018 tuition and fees. At its October 20th, 2016 meeting, the Board of Regents considered a proposal for fiscal year 2018 tuition and mandatory fees. The proposal will be on the agenda for action at the December 6th meeting. Tuition and fee increases. The proposal includes a 2% increase in the resident undergraduate tuition rate for all three universities with varying increases to non-resident and graduate tuition rates. The proposal includes increases in mandatory fees for both resident and non-resident students as follows. University of Iowa, 2%. Iowa State University, 5.2%. University of Northern Iowa, 2.6%. There is a table that details the proposed tuition and fee changes for undergraduate students. The full details of the fiscal year 2018 tuition and mandatory fees proposal, including charges for graduate and other higher level students, are available on the board's website. To view the chart, go to the Iowa General Assembly website www.legis.iowa.gov And click on the Publications tab. Click on Fiscal Analysis at the left, then under Fiscal Publications, click on Fiscal Update. Locate Board of Regents proposed fiscal year 2018 tuition and fees and click open the PDF file. Other Fees. The Board also approved proposed common and university program specific fees for fiscal year 2018. These are fees that are not part of the mandatory fee proposal. The agenda for the October meeting and all of the agenda items are available on the Board's website. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Robin Madison, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-238-4536. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 26, 2016. Early Childhood Iowa Funding Formula Committee, October Meeting. Formula Committee Purpose The committee was formed to make recommendations to the Early Childhood Iowa or ECI State Board regarding the Early Childhood Grant Distribution. Note, the committee will not be addressing the formula for state-funded school-ready grants. The Early Childhood Iowa Revisions Act, 2016 Iowa Acts Chapter 1113, removed the distribution formula from Iowa Code and permits it to be set by the ECI State Board. Goals of the committee include reviewing current data that is connected to the legal purpose of the early childhood funding, determine the use and alignment of the early childhood areas with changes in child care related to the federal child care development block grant requirements, seeking feedback on options for the formula from ECI area boards. Current formula history. Distributing early childhood grants to local areas is done on a proportional basis Using the previous fiscal year data for each county, the Department of Human Services or DHS calculates the average number of Family Investment Program or FIP cases involving children 0 through 5 years of age. The county average is then calculated against the statewide average for that year to arrive at the county's percentage of the statewide total. This percentage is multiplied by the available funding to determine the grant amount. A criticism of the current formula is that generally 40% of the 38 ECI areas see year-to-year funding increases or decreases of greater than 7%. Percentage of ECI areas with significant funding changes. Negative change of at least 7%, fiscal year 2014 to 2015, 26.3%. Fiscal year 2015, 2016, 29%. Fiscal year 2016-2017, 29%. Positive change of at least 7%. Fiscal year 2014-2015, 13.1%. Fiscal year 2015-2016, 15.8%. And fiscal year 2016-2017, 13.2%. Data reviewed. Committee members reviewed and evaluated available data sources to include in a proposed formula. Data items need to be available on a per county basis, and the discussion included child populations ages 0 through 5, child population ages 0 through 5 by various federal poverty level rates, child care assistance program enrollment, regulated child care providers, child care quality rating system participation, and families with all parents in the labor force. Formula Options. The committee created 14 different formulas. Staff from the DHS, Department of Management, and the Legislative Services Agency will operationalize these formulas based on the available data to create a demonstration of the proposed scenarios. The next meeting is scheduled for November 16, 2016 in Des Moines. The staff contacts for this fiscal update are Kent Ohms, Legislative Analyst 2 with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at Five one five seven two five two two zero zero and Angel Banks Adams legislative analyst with the fiscal services division of the legislative services agency at 515-281-6301 fiscal update fiscal services division october 26 2016 capital planning commission meeting the capital planning commission met on wednesday october 19 2016 discussion included the following items monument maintenance funding senate file 2324 infrastructure appropriations act provided a $100,000 allocation for monument maintenance the al requires a two-to-one match. The allocation must be expended by June 30, 2020. The Commission members discussed potential ways to raise the $200,000 match, including reaching out to the VFW, the Iowa Historic Fund, and the Des Moines Community Foundation. Another idea discussed included placing a donation box at the State Capitol Tour Guide Desk. Legislative update. The Department of Administrative Services, or DAS, reported that maintenance budgets had not been finalized yet, but DAS anticipates having discussions with the Department of Management, or DOM, in November. The DAS also reported that the Capitol Tree Lighting Ceremony will be November 28th. The Commission voted to approve its fiscal year 2016 annual report. Construction updates. Olababcock Miller Building. Repair of the limestone on the south entrance has been completed. Waterproofing of the Olababcock Miller Building is currently half done. However, due to winter approaching, activity will cease and continue in April when nicer weather returns. Parking ramp. Stone on the outside of the parking ramp has been removed and will be reinstalled in April when nicer weather returns. Capital step and window repair. Work on the west drive is in the final phases of completion and the west steps of the capitol have been completed. Work on the North Capitol windows is just beginning. Court Avenue Hillside. Work to repair the hillside of the Judicial Branch building facing Court Avenue has been completed. Capitol Lighting and the Dome Project. Money was appropriated in July and the architects are in the process of working up drawings and specifications. Mark Williamson. Capital Complex Facilities Manager stated that he anticipated the documents being completed around the end of the calendar year and bids to occur in January with construction beginning in the spring. Other updates. Capital Complex Farmers Market. A weekly farmers market was held on the Capital Complex on Tuesdays from 3 to 5.30 p.m. from July 19th to September 27th. Plans are to continue this again next year. Food trucks. The food trucks will be available in the Lucas parking lot through the end of November. Plans are to continue the partnership with the City of Des Moines in providing food truck vendors to the Capitol Complex again next year. Walking Trail. The DAS has put together maps for different walking trails on the Capitol Complex. Signage includes a Capitol Complex map developed by the Iowa Department of Public Health, or IDPH, and the DAS. The launch for the new walking trails will occur on October 26th. 2016. The next meeting of the Capital Planning Commission is scheduled for January 4th, 2017. The location has yet to be determined. Additional information is available from the Legislative Services Agency upon request. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Jennifer Acton, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-7846. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 27, 2016, Iowa Public Information Board, October 2016 Meeting. The Iowa Public Information Board, or IPIB, met on October 20, 2016 in Des Moines. The Board took the following action. Accepted Cases. The Board accepted one complaint for further review. The complaint alleged a violation of the Open Meetings Law under Iowa Code Chapter 21. According to the complainant, members of the Sheraton Water Board violated Iowa Code Section 21.5 by improperly initiating a closed session at their September 2016 meeting. The IPIB staff will now work with both parties to try to resolve the complaint. Dismissed Cases. The Board dismissed nine complaint allegations. The Board found that these cases were either legally insufficient or did not fall under the Board's authority pursuant to Iowa Code Chapters 21 Open Meetings and 22 Open Records. Probable Cause Review. At its September 2016 meeting, the Board reviewed two contested cases filed against the Department of Public Safety as well as the Department of Criminal Investigation and the Burlington Police Department. Both cases allege public records violated Violations referencing body camera video obtained in a January 2015 shooting of an unarmed woman by a police officer in Burlington, Iowa. The board sent both contested cases to the Administrative Hearings Division of the Department of Inspections and Appeals in May 2016. In September 2016, the cases were dismissed on grounds of a procedural error. At its October meeting, the board proposed two separate motions to refile charges in both of these cases. The Board will vote on approving final orders to refile the charges at a special meeting on October 27, 2016. Final reports. The board unanimously voted to adopt final reports for two resolved cases. Parties involved in both cases agreed to and completed the terms of the board's proposed informal resolutions. The special meeting of the board is scheduled for October 27, 2016 in Des Moines at 1 p.m. The next regular meeting of the board is scheduled for November 17, 2016 at 1 p.m. in Des Moines. The staff contact For this fiscal update, is Christine Meckler, Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6561. Fiscal Update. Fiscal Services Division, October 27, 2016. Iowa Alcoholic Beverages Commission Meeting. The Iowa Alcoholic Beverages Commission met on September 22, 2016 in Des Moines. The Commission took the following action. Administrative Rules Update. At its June 2016 meeting, the Commission was informed that in practice the newly adopted quote Growler Rule, Administrative Rule 185-4.6.123, unintentionally prevented Class C beer permit holders and industry members from offering tastes of beer to consumers under any circumstances. The Commission was presented with a proposed corrective amendment. The amendment was approved. The Administrative Rules Review Committee approved the amended rule unanimously on October 11, 2016. The first possible effective date of Amended Rule 185-4.6-123 is November 16, 2016. Financial Update. The commission was briefed on the current financial status of Iowa's alcohol industry. According to calculations provided by the Alcoholic Beverages Division, or ABD, liquor sales totaled approximately $299.9 million for fiscal year 2016. Overall, liquor sales increased 4% compared to fiscal year 2015. The ABD also reported a gross profit of $99.6 million for fiscal year 2016, an increase of 3.4%. 5% when compared to fiscal year 2015 gross profits update comprehensive review of Iowa code chapter 123 working group Prior to adjournment, the Commission received a brief update on the work of the Iowa Code Chapter 123 Working Group. The group is comprised of representatives from the ABD, the Department of Public Safety, and the Economic Development Authority, as well as various public and private industry members. The group was formed to collaboratively analyze the current state of Iowa's alcoholic beverage industry, focusing specifically on regulatory mechanisms, public safety, and emerging economic trends. The next meeting of the Board has not yet been determined. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Christine Meckler, Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-6561. Fiscal Update, Fiscal Services Division, October 27, 2016, Benefits Advisory Committee Meeting. The Benefits Advisory Committee met on Monday, October 24, 2016. The committee voted unanimously to approve the nomination for the reappointment of Dr. Marlene Sprouse as the active educational member of the Iowa Public Employees Retirement System, or IPERS, Investment Board. Dr. Sprouse's current term expires April 30, 2017. The committee also voted unanimously to approve the IPERS membership renewal of $5,900 to the National Institute of Retirement Security, or NIRS. The following items were discussed. Fiscal Year 2018 Contribution Rates. The contribution rates for both the regular membership and the protection occupation members will not change from the prior year, remaining at 14.88% and 16.40% respectively. The contribution rate for the sheriffs and deputies is estimated to decrease from 19.26% to 18.76%, a difference of 50 basis points. Additional detail on the actuarial report will be presented at the December 1, 2016 meeting of the Ipers Investment Board, subject to approval by the board. Des Moines Teacher Retirement System Merger. Members of the Des Moines Independent Community School District presented information on the possibility of merging 448 active teacher accounts into the Ipers system. The merger of the active accounts is estimated to cost the Des Moines Independent Community Community school district approximately 66.7 million dollars. Administrative rules. IPERS is in the process of performing a five-year review on its administrative rules. Changes to these rules will be filed in December and most likely adopted by the end of April. November dividend. The November dividend will be mailed out November 3rd. This year 5,988 members will receive a dividend payment totaling $6.449 million. The average amount is $1,000 per member, and the median amount is $910. Special Service Disability Benefits. The committee heard a presentation on special service disability benefits that pertain to special service members, sheriffs and deputies, and protection occupation members. The next meeting of the Benefits Advisory Committee is a joint meeting with IPER's Investment Board. The next regular meeting of the Benefits Advisory Committee is Monday, January 23, 2017. Additional information is available from the Legislative Services Agency upon request. The staff contact for this fiscal update is Jennifer Acton, Senior Legislative Analyst with the Fiscal Services Division of the Legislative Services Agency at 515-281-7846.